0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Hugh Baloo. This episode of the Nonprofit Exchange is going to be magic. Oh, literally magic. We've had all kinds of fun guests over the years, but this one is going to top that. It's going to be so much fun. So sit down, take notes. Uh, we're going to do uh, this this recording for the nonprofit exchange, and then if you're watching the video, stay around. We got some surprises for you. So Joe M. Turner, Turner Magic, is our guest today. He knows a lot about nonprofits. He knows a lot about number of topics. So Joe. Tell people about yourself and how did you end up doing what you do and why? What is your passion? So, Joe, tell us about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, Hugh, thank you for having me today. Um, I, for the last 20 years, have worked as a professional entertainer. Uh, mostly in the corporate world, but occasionally in nonprofits or uh, colleges and cruise ships and things of that nature. And I do magic. I do sleight of hand performance. I do some mentalism and uh, from time to time, even large stage illusions. And it's a very odd little uh, corner of the theater industry. And I love it. I love it very much. And it's been good to me and it's taken me around the world a number of times. And so, uh, but I came to this from a management consulting career, which seems a little odd. And before that, I worked in the musical theater. And before that, I studied to be a physics teacher. So that's what my degree is. So I have an eclectic background, as we say. Uh, And I guess the why is I've always been fascinated by seeing connections between things that other people maybe didn't think were connected. And I, I just think that's one of the marks of a, of an educated person or a mind is to look for those relationships and, and parallelisms between things so i guess i just i'm compelled to explore uh, those different talents and and interests and see where they overlap and intersect and how i can use those to help people uh, do better business or help more people or solve problems
0: so you're a quote management consultant
1: i i i had that title at one time Uh, i guess there's a little bit of that that never leaves you i was in the change management uh consulting practice for the firm that is now called accenture and uh so i worked as a in, in change management so helping the people in organizations change to be more effective we would equip them with uh training that we would design for them for the new environments if it was a computer system or an organizational structural change or whatever the case was we would go in we would try to help them identify advocates and change agents that could help that change be successful as it went through the organization and and Design training and teach them the, the new skills they were going to need. So that that sort of fit in with my education background. Um, but yeah, that's the little corner of management consulting that I was in. I was not exactly a code. I didn't code all the new systems, and I didn't I didn't uh, do all, work in that part of things. I worked really more on the human, uh, the HR side, and the the idea of how are we going to help the human beings who are experiencing change in their organization for whatever reason, how are we going to help them be ready to meet that challenge effectively?
0: That's pretty high level work in, in that that kind of organization and that that sector. So you given your background, how did you get in that and why did you
1: leave that? I got into consulting. Um, I will confess that I had done two seasons of summer stock as a musical theater uh, performer and musician. Um, I play the piano and sing, and so I I got a couple of summer gigs up in New England doing summer stock, and as much as I love the theater, which I love musical theater more than any person should be allowed to, I just love it, I did realize that while I have some talents, I don't have the top 1% of 1% of 1% talents of people in that world. And so the idea that I was gonna make a living in the musical theater, that was gonna be a real a challenge that I wasn't sure that I was physically capable of doing. Of uh, I just don't have the dance background. And I mean, my range, I have a good F, but I'm not really, a, I'm not a high, tenor. And I, so I just, at any rate, I realized that there were constraints, some constraints on what I could do. And so I went back to, uh, to school after that summer, I was at Mississippi State University, and I started thinking, well, maybe I should look at, at quote unquote, a real job. Uh, and, and so I went and looked for industries that would interview you, no matter what your major was, because at this point I was a theater major, um, and I had a degree in education, physics and chemistry, but I was working in musical theater and communication. So this consulting firm at the time, Anderson Consulting would interview you no matter what your, what your major was. I had no idea what consulting even was. What are we consulting about? I don't know. The only management class I ever took was theater management. And so, um, I read up about them and what I loved about consulting and the parallel that I saw with the theater was that consulting projects are very much like a show. You assemble a cast based on specific skills and how they fit into whatever the story is that you're trying to tell. And they all come together and they put this this thing together. And then when it's over, the cast, disperses and goes on to their neck. The, the consulting industry has a lot in common with theater. And so I, I never could envision myself sitting behind a desk for 20 or 30 or 40 years, but project to project sort of felt like show to show to me. And so that's why I was willing to go on this interview and one thing led to another. And there's more stories behind that. If we have time to dig into them later, there's some funny things, but that that's how I ended up in consulting. Um, and I, I left six years later, after a couple of promotions and a lot of hours and a lot of experience, I left because by then I had married and had uh, my daughter was two at the time. And I had been fortunate to be staffed on projects in the city of Atlanta where I'm based. And I'd wrapped up a project and they were about to send me on the road five days a week for eight, nine, 10 months. And I just, I didn't want to miss Oh, that's families, good... the family ah. side of that. So that's how I exited the consulting industry, not because I didn't um, love the people and the challenge and the, the way it worked just really resonated with my performing arts, sort of gypsy part of me, but I couldn't afford to gypsy uh, with a two year old at home. There's was I, a drama
0: I, part of it, too.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes more drama than you want, and and we all could tell jokes about the consultant who's had to stand in front of the room and tap dance. Uh, so we we, yeah, there's a lot of showbiz in well, but I I don't mean that in the negative sense. I mean I should say there's a lot of show business and theater in business anyway. Yes, and, that's what
0: I was referring to. It's the the drama at the workplace, and you know I think I think you have a lot in corporate America, but. Our audience represents nonprofit leaders and clergy, they got drama as well. <laughs> so, well,
1: it, it occurred to me along the way while I was in the consulting uh, part of my life, magic came back into my life. And I started seeing relationships between what I was doing and just all of those things that you studied in 12th grade english about you know the structure of a play and the the denouement and the rising tension and all of that stuff applies to every kind of project that any organization will ever go through plays are effective because we can relate to them because they 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 feel like real life a lot of times maybe it's compressed in the time frame but we've all We all know what it's like to have these characters around us on our all the world's a stage and we know what it's like to interact with all of these other players and try to get our objective our motivation accomplished it's very drama is wonderful uh, metaphor for real life and because of that things that we learn from drama can apply to the way we tell stories in real life and try to do projects in real life. And that's not because it's fake or artificial or hyper theatrical or anything like that, but it's just because that's how human beings work. That's how, that's how our psychology works. That's how our story we perceive the storytelling process. And so if we're really good at that, then it has benefits for the way that we sell products or, get people to, you know, buy into our advocacy of our issue, or support whatever it is we're trying to accomplish, or help us along the way, whether it's employees, students, donors, supporters, all of these, we're all on stage, we all have audiences, we're all trying to tell our stories effectively, and so there are wonderful lessons from the theater that can apply to that. Well, and,
0: and a lot of leaders I've seen get spooked by the what ifs of the drama and um, are very apprehensive when if they just relaxed and paid attention to what's going on, it might be a whole new ball game. Now, your work, um, you're a pianist, you're a singer, you're a performer, you're a consultant. Um, you're, um, you're also very gifted at speaking. I mean, you're, you're a public speaker as well. So how did you end up connecting the magic and the illusionary pieces with the corporate leadership and you've also done some magic with nonprofit organizations and fundraising haven't you
1: yes the i when I first came to magic, I came to it, I kind of fell in the back door. I had been doing it for fun it was always the magic was just a entertainment based thing not even as structured as as a play or a musical but really just let's have some fun together and create this emotion of uh, astonishment or wonder or just fun and that was the value that i was trying to communicate to people and that was the value that i was giving to my corporate clients but over time people would connect with me on linkedin or facebook and they would see that I had this consulting background, or a little bit more focused background than many, maybe many others in my in the magic side of what I do have, and they came to me at first with the idea of, you know, our our program, our whole meeting is about this theme. We're talking about we're overcoming some teamwork challenges, or we've got some uh, some issues with some of our partner organizations that we you know, or there's been a, an acquisition or a merger and where there's, there's tension between these cultures and we're trying to you know, focus on things that we have in common. They would come to me with a theme or a problem and say, can you integrate this idea into your magic it's to be like a kickoff for the morning session? So I didn't take the idea to them at first. They brought the idea to me of using magic to tell a story or set the table for a particular conversation. And and I I went from there and found that it was not a new idea. People had been using magic to uh, communicate stories or sell products or other things for decades. And I just, I hadn't seen that part of of the industry, Uh, but that's kind of where it started. It's like, oh, you know, could you do something that helps us get into this topic? And by doing that over and over, I I ended up doing trade show work. Companies that were exhibiting at uh, uh, expos would hire me to work at their booth and use magic to draw a crowd, but also communicate something about their their product or their service or their software or whatever it was, Um, marketing events, product launches. And over time, I realized that if I could use magic to tell a story that was handed to me by a client, why wasn't I using it to tell the stories of the things that I'm excited about? And, you know, I could tell my own uh, stories or communicate my own messages. And so that's—I had a friend who was a professional speaker in the National Speakers Association, and she said, "Joe, you're—you should be using what you do." on a platform, not just as entertainment, but to inform and, and inspire and engage people around y- your message. And the, message that, the messages that I landed on were this parallelism, these lessons from the show business that can affect the way we engage our own audiences. How you can be better at what you do by learning lessons from magic and theater. And it's, it's an odd thing, but it's fun. Well, and in,
0: in we want to help nonprofit leaders embrace um, business principles. And this is an adjunct principle to that. This is, this is uh, you know, a lot of times we look at drama in our churches and our nonprofits and our synagogues, and what's happening isn't really what we think is happening. So there's an illusionary you know diversion there that we get all stuck up in this drama when really there's something else going on because we're not really paying attention
1: what i would say to that is it's i don't think that it's um an illusion but i think that sometimes we mistake the subplot for the plot right Mm -hmm. because we get so captivated by this this dramatic tension between characters but It can be easy to lose the overarching story uh, and lose, you know, what we call the through line of the whole experience of what we're doing from a mission and vision perspective. And I have helped organizations, nonprofits in, you know, obviously in fundraising situations where, you know, they come to me and there's a particular issue that's close to their heart. And they explain to me why it's close to their heart and that helps me get it close to my heart. And I'll, I'll work out a show or a program that they can take to their audience to uh, motivate them to support in some way, either tangibly or, or, you know, physical work or donations or whatever. But in, in the process of doing that, I really think it helps them. The process of helping me understand what they do is a lens that helps them refocus on their own through line. Because it forces them to, to go back to, well, what is, what's the core goal that we're trying to achieve? Whether it's as a whole organization or even it's just for this event or this campaign, what's the, what's the core through line? And you know, that was, that's one of the things that we did back in change management days is make sure that our change agents and advocates were staying on topic and not being pulled off into the subplots, right? And I've worked in my own churches over the years in, in, you know, worship music. And if there's, if there's a subject that is, you know, more controversial, (laughs) you know, friendships have been lost and wars have been waged over, over worship music styles. And so it, it, can, it can be difficult in a church setting uh, to deal with that. But, you know, the thing to do is try to go back to your core principle. What is it that you're trying to accomplish with this and get everyone who's going to be on board with that to go forward? And and that may be a sign that some people aren't going to be on board with that. OK, and and that's OK, too. Maybe they're supposed to do something else. Maybe their their calling is in a different direction. It doesn't mean it's invalid or that yours is invalid. It just means that sometimes, you know, there are points on the change curve where characters change what they're doing. That's that. And it, I just. To your point, I would just say it, it, it's not that the things are drama themselves. It's that we allow the subplot to take the spotlight away from the main story. And that's where the trouble starts.
0: Love it, love it, love it. So um, there's a number of questions come to, come to my mind, but we're coming. Let's we're we're recording this episode at what we think might be an end of a, a long, tough pandemic uh, shut in, and we've we've had to reinvent ourselves, and so we're we're sort of in a thaw, but coming out of it. Um, change management is, is a big deal. You know, nothing, nothing is going to people, some people I heard people the other day, talk about uh, some organization be glad when we get back to normal. And I don't think that's ever going to happen from my humble standpoint. I don't, I don't even think we're going to have a new normal. I think it's got to be a new radical because we've learned a whole lot. So from where you sit and what you do with, with organizations and with leaders, Um, How will that impact what you're doing? And what do you, what advice do you have? We have nonprofit leaders and clergy uh, watching this today and they're, they're they're looking for some magic, but they're really looking for some inspiration. You know, what do we do to get, get these people on board? So how would you, as a, as a change management, um, uh, I would say expert, but a resource, you know, you've, you've done this for a long time. What would be your thoughts for people?
1: Let me sort of tell it in terms of what I did last year and what I'm having to go through. And then I'm gonna expand on that principle. Love it. Uh, I was on a ship performing in the South China Sea in February of 2020. When the ports closed all around us and we were at sea for um, almost two weeks did not know we were, where we were gonna end up stopping. All of our original ports were no longer available. Uh, we had no idea where we were gonna land. And a port opened up and we ended up going to Singapore, which was not part of my itinerary. And I got off the, off the ship, got on a plane and came back to Atlanta. And so this is mid-February of last year, a month before everything, changed here in the United States. So I did have about a month head start on thinking about what things were going to be like. Still hoping they wouldn't, but realizing that in all likelihood, something drastic was about to happen. And in uh, mid-March, everything shut down. And in the course of about 36 hours, maybe 48 hours, every event on my calendar for the rest of 2020 canceled or postponed or just became a complete question mark. I had never used Zoom in my life, but the first meeting I went to on Zoom in the third week of March, I realized that this was a tool I was gonna have to adapt to in order to be productive in some way during the rest of the year. And I, I launched a virtual show. I went through all of my repertoire, the things I know how to do, behind these curtains lie a couple thousand books on magic and illusion and sleight of hand and mentalism. And I went to the resources I had and said, what can be effective in in a box like this? What can I do in this environment that is still engaging and connects with people and where the decisions they make in real time affect what happens in the show to create theater uh, using a different tool? And I launched a show on April the 3rd. So I was one of the very first in, in my industry to do anything virtual. And my show was recommended in the New York Times in May of last year, which was great. It was, and many more amazing and just groundbreaking shows than mine were developed over the time from that time till now that make mine look like a primitive, you know, it's first step. But it was a first step. It was just someone trying to adapt. To draw that to, maybe something more general. I don't like, and I resisted the term pivot uh, very much, because to me, pivot implies a change of direction. I'm a physics guy, and so if something pivots, then it's going in a different way. It's pointing in a different way, and my goals had not changed. And the things, the message that I wanted to convey had not changed. The skills that I had had not exactly changed yet. But the the thing that motivated me to do what I do had not changed. Nonprofits' goals have not changed. You didn't pivot what you were, tr- the problem you were trying to solve didn't pivot. The, the people you're trying to serve are still where they were. You know, they're still, they, the needs that they have aren't, now totally over here because of of what had happened. So I resisted the term pivot very much. And I reframed it all in my mind as I didn't change directions, I added lanes to my highway. And so I had my live action and my speaking and my all of these things and all these things that were taking me towards my goal. I didn't pivot, I added a virtual lane to what I was doing. And as far as I'm concerned, it's just another venue. It's, you know, the things I do in a theater aren't the same things I do in a boardroom. The things I do in a boardroom aren't the same things I can do on a ship, aren't the same things I would do in a restaurant. And they're not the same things I would do on, on, uh, on camera in, in Zoom. It's another venue. And that's one of the things is performers have to adapt to the venue. A lot of times, even in these, the musical theater, you know, the person who comes in it's not enough to be the, the the right actress who can create the emotion and can dance the steps and can hit the notes. But sometimes you also have to fit the costumes, right? So there's a lot of things that happen. You So I, I have to adapt and I had to fit myself to this environment by adding a lane to the services that I could offer. And the benefit to, to me for that is it didn't I didn't add subplots. I didn't get caught up in the the pivot conversation. I'm do. I was doing the same thing for the same reason. I didn't pivot a thing. I added a lane. I think that is helpful in communicating nonprofits through any kind of change. Is it's not exactly about changing direction it's about changing methodology and maybe adding skills so you're not taking anything away from anybody you're not leaving people behind but sometimes you have to add a lane to what you're doing in order to get to in order to continue to make progress towards what you're trying to accomplish i hope that that's just a different way to, to look at it
0: it is a great way of looking at it man I just, I struggle with that myself. You know, we are doing meaningful work. Now there's some things that maybe we can rethink and revise and people have, we've decided, you know, there are really some committee meetings we could have on zoom or maybe do it by email.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> it's a mistake to think that everything we were doing before in the normal times is the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is an opportunity to make good changes. Not because you have to, although, and sometimes we did have to make some additions, but also because it's a now that we have this other lane, maybe this is a better solution to some things that we had to were doing before that can now be done more effectively. So, definitely a huge mindset change. Uh, that, but you need you need to be able to tell that story to the people that you're serving and that are helping you serve your audience to help them not chase the difficult you know the the conflict and, and stay focused on you know where is this highway taking us and why and the the potholes are are always going to be there there's always going to be you know I, these I hate to just overload the metaphor but the, the the idea is that helps you stay focused on the most important thing
0: that, that, that was worth tuning in for the whole episode. We got more good stuff coming. I, I, I just, um, hang on. Um, Joe, let's, let's think about some of your interactions in the past. We have two people watching that are certified professional fundraising executives that have done, uh, had a career of, of being a fundraiser organization. So when you and I spoke recently, you talked about um, doing some fundraising events And I assume that was pre-Zoom days, but you could probably do some Zoom. What does that look like? And what is the magic about doing that? And for a fundraising venue, uh, it's it's sort of like going to a wine tasting and you hit people up for a donation. You get them in a good mood. What is it like? Tell us what it's like and why does it work?
1: Well, I did some pre-Zoom, obviously, but I have done some more recently in the last year on just using Zoom. And what I love, my show, as a, I do mostly corporate work, meaning I pack everything I need into a couple of suitcases that I can fly you know, as checked baggage and go anywhere in the world. So I don't have a bus and truck tour that has to back up to a theater. I can set up my show in a hotel ballroom or in a, an event space or in a church you know, auditorium or fellowship hall. I mean, I've been in, you name it, any kind of strange restaurant room. And because of that flexibility, uh, I have very low overhead. You don't have to rent special facilities or get special lights or any of that sort of thing. So what it looks like for organizations to work with me is we, what we're going to do is use the, the event, like going to a show, that's the fundraiser, that's the experience. We're going to give them an experience that they can enjoy, that they can bring people to, magic has universal appeal it crosses language barriers it crosses cultural barriers and i've produced a show here in atlanta since 2014 downtown atlanta midtown and we've got your red your blue your every every kind of person that wants to that in in there it's all the same it's just they can't believe that physics suddenly took a break and so I work with organizations and what we do is we say I'm going to use my I'm going to perform a show. Some of the moments in that show are going to be designed to spotlight specific points of your story. And I'm going to work with your team to figure out what those are going to be. And if there are specific people that we need to highlight, if there's a video that we need to show, we can insert those moments into the experience into the overall experience But even if we don't make a pitch for, you know, an additional donation, all of those things can be put in. But at the very least, they bought a ticket and you've created, you know, we're going to, I'm going to get paid out of that money. So this is a way that organizations, we can share the money that is raised for that event. They get money without having to, invest in any kind of software system or use their own you know it's just they're going to use their own things that they already do their own communications their own uh, so- social media to promote this event and then it it can happen on zoom and nobody has to rent a theater or it can happen in real life and we just do it at at your church or at your venue or maybe a, a school or someplace is willing to donate the space um, so there's there's a lot of different paths within that that it can take as to to how we make it happen. But the idea is the show itself becomes this experience that people have bought and paid for that generates its own revenue. And then we can use that to point toward a fundraising campaign or to recognize donors that need some spotlight and that we want to show love and gratitude to. There's a lot of different elements that can go into that experience itself. Um, so that, that's how it works. I work with you the same way I would work with a client that I wanted to represent them at their product launch or at their trade show and sell their widgets. I want to understand, well, who's going to be at this trade show and why do we want to sell them these widgets? And helping me understand that helps me create a show that, that accomplishes that. It's, it's a similar process. I want to understand the story of the people that you serve and why and use this dramatic art to help help stimulate that emotion for other people and to do it in a theatrical way it's just it's engaging and it's the way human beings we come together i mean we come together at theaters we come together at churches we come together to go to concerts or, or you know this we're just this communal social gathering is a powerful thing even even on zoom it can be powerful and i can argue that it may be more or less powerful depending on other factors but the point is we we love to come together and when we when we do it in a dramatic when we do it to experience this dramatic moment together that shared experience has value. I'm, I'm rethinking that. I've
0: been to quite a few in many years of being inside and external to nonprofits of, of all kinds, and that includes church fests. And we get too much in a rut. These are the expectations. Sometimes they're a little too stuffy. Sometimes a little too formal. Sometimes people go because out of a sense of obligation. What you're helping me rethink is. We don't tell our story enough. We assume people know the story, and we really need to go back and speak about the why and give a refresh, and then give people a fresh a a fresh start for reigniting their passion for it. And and I just I'm seeing you interact in my mind with an audience and having a lot of fun doing it. And people like to have fun.
1: Well, what I will add, just to put a a bow on the subject, is the reason magic works is that it's a pattern interrupt, it, it, it surprises you, but in a way that you, you, the world stops working the way you expect for a moment and, and you're delighted by this, this sudden change, this, this new thing that didn't happen the way you expected. And that's what salespeople use to get people to remember, that's how we remember, we remember the moments that stick out from the background noise right? It's very difficult to remember everything that's down inside the, the, just the regular noise, but those moments that stick out, those are our signposts. Those are our, our guideposts for what we remember and how we tell the story. Magic by nature is surprising. It is unusual. It is outside the ordinary experience. Besides just doing a show, it's a show that makes the world look and feel different than you expect. That is an automatic pow- pattern interrupt, and tying a message to that is a very good way to ensure that it will be remembered longer than a message. That was just more of the same. That is why magic is a good teaching tool. That's why it's a good sales tool. That's why it's a good tool to get people to remember whatever the message is that you're trying to convey. And that's why I think nonprofits should pay attention to it.
0: It's something I never thought about. I thought it would be something adjunct to this. Joe M. Turner is our guest today. You can find him, uh, online at turnermagic.com, Turner turnermagic, dot ccom And then you put a forward slash blog and you'll find the blog. What will people find when they go to your website and your blog? What are, what are some things they'll find?
1: They will, they will read um, things that occurred to me when I'm late for a plane or when I make a mistake and realize I can learn something from it. They might find um, my response to something I've read recently that either I agreed with or disagreed with. Um, a recent blog I wrote was where I found uh, I was reading in a magic text something that resonated with me, but which I ultimately disagreed with the way it was framed. And so I explained why. Uh, I, I just, I try to th- think about the information I encounter and, and test it against, you know, my core beliefs and test my core beliefs against what I'm seeing and learning and experiencing. And that's just kind of how I I live my life. And uh, that's what I do. So when you, when you read my blog, you're going to see what I think about. Uh, It's not always, Oh, let me show you this magic thing. It might be. I, I posted a really cool audio illusion on my blog recently where the same you listen to the same sound, but if you're reading a different sentence while you listen to it, it changes the way you hear it. And I love that as an illustration of what our preconceptions can do to our perceptions um, of, what, of what's happening around us. So I, it's that sort of thing. And then you'll also find, you know, I'll be moved to write something about a teacher that meant a lot to me uh, so it, it, it's 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 a variety of things but generally i will try to draw a lesson out of it that you can take and apply to the way you communicate or do business
0: and we are in the nonprofit world that's really a bad word it puts us into this scarcity thinking we decide we uh describe ourselves by what we're not that instead of what we could be or what we are or what we desire to be and so it uh, Joe, you've inspired me to think more in terms of possibility, spontaneity, surprise, and joy. Um, you didn't say any of those things, but you know, my well, my brain's firing on different cylinders.
1: I would just say, you know, nonprofit. I've worked with a lot of nonprofits, and I just think that's a for me. I just think that's a terrible misrepresentation. I mean, you're profiting people. It's a different kind of profit. The profit is service profit or help profit or human profit. It, it just doesn't happen to be a financial profit, but it's not that you don't produce profit, right? Yeah. What yeah. does it profit a man is not strictly about money, you know? It, it, and so I, I, I would, I agree with you. Don't focus on what you're not, focus on what you are and your organizations that achieve goals for people. You cheat you meet needs and achieve objectives and that is business that is doing that is doing business it's getting from here to there and making the exchanges and serving the people in the way that you need to and have to and using the skills and tools and resources you have at your disposal and you accomplish whatever it is that you accomplish and and that's that's, you know, that's a, those transactions are good. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with making a financial profit. There's nothing wrong with making a, a human profit, you know, making a skill profit, making a, a, a difference in someone's lives. It's a life profit. Those are all good things.
0: Absolutely. We, 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 we that's the lifeblood of salaries and, and improvement and the service. We, we have to serve people and it takes a little bit of cash flow to do that. Joe, you've inspired me to think differently, not only about events, but mm, we have to think about our story. And how do we find creative ways to get people to, to really understand what's important about our story. So I can imagine um, planning an event with you and you helping me do this amazing, amazing event that engages people and they're like walking out of there. Wow, what's coming next time. <laughs> so that uh, as um, you've given us uh, a lot of things to think about so we're going to end our podcast here but before we do um what what do you want to leave people with do you have a tip or a challenge or a thought that you want to leave people with today
1: um hmm. i would i'm going to go in a different direction with this because i just i shared this on my twitter today if you fill your home with pop culture and sports, both of which I love, so don't get me wrong, but you do it to the exclusion of great works of literature and art and music, then I think you're shortchanging yourself and everyone under that roof, because it is paying attention to those things reading studying absorbing listening to great things that cultivates an appreciation for excellence and i just i that's kind of my heart right now is challenging everyone to cultivate an appreciation for excellence in themselves and don't shame other people about what they're doing or not doing but just by virtue of the example you set challenge people to, to raise the level of their heart and their intellect and their thoughts. And I think that if I had to give anyone a tip, it's not a business tip, it's not a, that's the tip, is I, I want our culture to be elevated. And I think the benefit from doing that serves our children, it serves our communities, it serves our public discourse, so that's that's my tip. If I had to make an ask for everybody watching, it would be um, work on yourself. Elevate elevate the culture by elevating yourself.
0: Joe so M Turner, you can go to turnermagic.com. Thank you so much for your inspiration and your story today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange.